Welcome to Alphanumeric, the fiction and poetry podcast featuring pieces selected from the award-winning Non-Binary Review. Today, a flashback, Dead Meat Dog's Body by Joseph Sale, from Non-Binary Review, issue number two, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Why? Why, why, why? Why did he bring me back again? That's what Serpus thought as he opened his eyes and knew the stab of the cold again and the smell of damp, unwashed dog fur. Only what he thought, of course, never what he said. What he said was, Thank you. Thank you so much, Master. Thank you, kind, kind Master. It's what Servus had to say. His name wasn't really Servus. That was the name his master had given him. His master loved the old languages. Servus meant slave in Latin. He couldn't remember what his real name was. Master Craven had taken him in as an infant. He'd been cast aside by his real parents and found a squirming pink creature wriggling in the dirt like an overgrown worm. That was Master Craven's favorite story to tell, to remind him just how much he'd done for him. And Service was grateful, very grateful for the Master's kindness. How do you feel? That voice, like a steel edge licking wet skin and then twisting into the cut. It could turn on a heartbeat. Even after everything he'd felt and heard and seen, Service still shivered when it kissed his ears. He turned his head and realized he was alone. Gray walls surrounded him, rugged as cliff slopes. Master Craven spoke from somewhere else, disembodied. Service tried to flex his fingers. They were rigid as if the reanimating energies hadn't yet spread through his whole body. The bones cracked as if they were on the verge of breaking like brittle sticks. Service felt older than the castle itself. He lifted his head, a dizzying effort, and saw the red line around his wrist. You gave me back my hand, Master. Thank you. The gratitude was real this time. How could he accomplish any of his tasks with only a stump? But it wouldn't have been beyond Master Craven to play a joke as cruel as that. Yes, the voice said. Service realized it reminded him of different types of sword, depending on his master's moods. Now it was a smooth scimitar, spelling calligraphy in the skin on his back. But he'd heard the merciless broadsword, too, brutal as a guillotine. Next time, you must be more careful when you feed the dogs. But you starved them and covered me with animal fats before you sent me in, master. Shut up. Shut up. He can hear you. He didn't know just how far Master Craven's power stretched. After all, he'd conquered death. Not even after all the decades of service he had given could he read his master either. As far as service was concerned, he knew his every thought and fear and hope. Not that service had any hopes other than one day to be allowed to die forever. But then he knew that some things were too much to hope for. He sat up in the dark cave and gingerly applied weight to his new-sewn wrist. He half expected it to snap off at the slightest touch. He couldn't forget the image of it, 
hanging by a thread of skin, fingers still dancing as if the palm was being tickled. I, I will, Master, I will, I promise, Master. Would you like me to feed them now? In his ears, the echo of the last sound he'd heard before the death played like a half-remembered tune. The barks of the dogs and the snap of their teeth. Their wicked, wicked teeth. No need, the voice said. Where is he speaking from? I have another more important task for you. You must be hungry, service. You have slept a long time. It was harder for me, but don't fret. I will always be able to bring you back. Now, prepare a table for two to eat. Kill the fattest lamb. Use the best spices. Unearth the best wine from the cellars. Lay the table in the dining room. A feast fit for kings. And we'll eat. Servus heard his own stomach growl loud as the dog's barks. His mouth went wet, and he felt his lips slackening. Yes, master. Yes, I will, master. He stood up on his crooked bow legs, more like a stooped goblin than a man. And service? He froze. Yes, my master? Please, save eating till the dinner. I know you will be tempted to eat before then, but be good. Yes, master. He scampered to the door and pushed it open, revealing a long, thin line of stairs up to an entrance through which light poured like water through a broken dam. He tripped twice on the stairs. He couldn't see the steps any more clearly than a gray blur. His eyes were getting worse, and the light stung. When he stepped out, he saw a patch of sodden green with gray pillars looming out of the earth. The graveyard. The master had brought him back inside a tomb. A taunting reminder? As he passed, he looked at each of the gravestones, their dates and numbers no more than black squiggles to service. Not only were his eyes failing, but his master had never taught him to read, only to speak the vernacular tongue, Anglo-Saxon. And even then, he'd been selective. Sometimes, when the master sent service on errands down to the village, he heard new words that he couldn't make sense of. He tried to remember them, but his brain felt like a hand coated in slick oils. Whenever he tried to hold on to anything, it only slipped further from his grasp. At least the air clears the smell of dog fur. Almost in answer to his thought, he heard them yapping over the other side of the castle, their growls as throaty as a demon's roar. And all the while I've been asleep, they haven't been fed. He shuddered as he thought of the slavering hunger. His own belly rumbled. He picked his way between the stones and crossed the keep's courtyard. The courtyard was broad as a town market square, and in days gone by might have doubled as one. It was a bare cobbled space that was walled in on three sides by the castle itself, and on one by the gate down to the mountain path. He found the door to the cellar stores and went in. When he had prepared everything Master Craven asked, he brought the plates one by one to the dining hall and he laid them out. He worked underneath the massive arches like vast ribs of a leviathan from the old book, filling the entire long table 
with meats and platters of fish and fruits and garnished vegetables taken from the master's extensive supplies. His fingers were less responsive than they'd been, and several times he'd screamed with rage as he was forced to discard what he'd made and try again. But now he had finished. His stomach gurgled all the way to the dining hall, shuddering and crying for food. When he'd set the table, the master appeared, as if he'd been watching and waiting for the moment. The doorway to the hall swung open as if pushed by invisible hands. Master Craven looked like the black-slit pupil of a dark eye, always hooded, always robed. Once, Service had looked up from the floor into the shadows of the hood and caught the briefest glimpse of a face so weathered it could have been dark rock molded by the touch of acid. But then the hood had shifted over it, and the master had continued his beatings. "'My, my, Service, what a feast you have prepared!' he clapped his hands together. They were gloved, too, of course. No part of his skin showed. Service heard the squelching sound of leather, as if it was being wrung dry. "'I trust you resisted temptation?' Of course, Master, I didn't touch a scrap, not one bite. There was no point in lying to Master Craven. He always could dig out the truth, however deep you buried it. Well, I shall have to reward you for your restraint. Thank you, Master, he croaked. Thank you. Service bowed at the waist. He couldn't incline his head or back. His spine was as misshapen as his legs. Too many vertebrae created a bulbous hump that jutted his neck forward, eternally lowering his head in a motion of servile obeisance, like a dog whimpering. Master Craven put his two black-gloved hands under Service's chin and gently lifted his face. Service stared into the black cloth of the hood from which the terrible voice issued, the voice which had made him do so many twisted and painful things. He trembled. It was an effort to stop his crooked knees from failing under him. "'You have outdone yourself,' the voice said, soft as a lover, although service understood love in the same way as words, no more than strange runes on the paper that tantalized some mystery. He could imagine it on delirious nights when he was sure the master could not sense his thoughts. Wild fantasies of him fucking the women he'd watched his master fuck. Thank you, master. She will be most pleased. She? A shadow fell between service and master Craven, and he turned to see a woman in a scarlet dress framed in the doorway. Her figure was voluptuous and full, barely contained in the dress, like ripe fruit bursting from its skin. He did not dare stare, but cast his eyes downward. He'd been punished before for ogling his master's women. She reached out, curtsied, and took the master's gloved hand, kissing it. The master has a new toy. The master has a new favorite. Pour our guest some wine, service. He scampered to obey. The scarlet woman didn't grace him with a look. The two sat themselves at the table, the smell of the feast rose and rose in Service's nostrils, building up like smoke in his lungs. With shaking hands, he poured wine from a silver jug into two rich goblets. 
He placed them on a tray and stumbled over to them. Master Craven took both cups and handed one to his lady. They drank. Service caught the briefest glimpse of a chin under the hood over which a line of red liquid ran. There were more lines and gouges in the skin than in a shattered mirror. The woman's lips reddened. Thank you, Service, the master said, wiping his chin and restoring the hood. You may leave. Service froze. But the food? He swallowed, and the tasteless spittle slid down his throat, unsatisfying, making him thirst and hunger more. But master, master, I'm so hungry, please. The hood showed nothing. Service had long ago learnt not to watch the hood. He watched the hands. The index and middle fingers on each of them twitched. My, my, Service, I never thought you a glutton. The master stood. Service felt his eyes watering with tears. It was all happening again, all over again. He thought for a few brief seconds things would be different. But they will never change, and you will never die. Isn't he greedy, he said to the woman in red. Without looking at service, she nodded. She took another long drink from her wine. Master, I never meant... You want to eat? No, master, no, I... Well then, you will eat everything on this table. Service stooped yet further over the table and tore off a section of chicken with his fingers. He put the sliver in his mouth and chewed. The chewing itself was agony. His gums were half rotten and he had only fragments of teeth remaining. But the taste, oh, the taste was so sweet. That's hardly the way a hungry man eats, Master Craven said. He walked around the table and stood next to service. He twisted off one of the chicken's legs in his gloved hand. He held it up before service, as if for inspection. Come on, eat. He rammed the chicken leg into service's mouth. He began to chew, but it was like eating a live squid, squelchy and wriggling. He felt one of his rotten teeth break away and catch in the back of his throat. He bit down harder and met the solid bar of bone. He could feel slivers of meat catching in his windpipe as he glugged on the flesh. He coughed. The master patted his back and he spluttered, coughed up the slivers. One caught. No! His stomach squeezed tighter than he'd have thought possible, becoming a knot in his guts, pulling at his whole body. Then he opened his mouth and acidic, hot liquid spilled out along with his half-chewed chicken. He slumped down against the table. Well, service, it seems you're not hungry at all, are you? No, master, no, not hungry at all. But you must be thirsty. No, master, please, I don't need anything, master. Don't be silly, service. You must have some wine. He placed the decanter in service's hand. Go and make yourself drunk. Yes, master. Thank you, master. The drink makes the voices quiet. He scampered away, more ape-like than anything, clutching the silver decanter to his chest. He glimpsed the red woman dabbing at her eyes, looking away. Was she weeping? Could any creature weep for me? 
When he was out of the room, he started to drink. The alcohol drowned his sense of feeling until there was nothing but the mechanical expansion and contraction of his throat. He wove and slipped and tripped like a madman through the castle halls, trailing red splashes and washing wine down his throat. Master is cruel. Master is evil. Master will always have his way. You can never escape. The world spun, and he felt as though he was the central line around which everything turned. He remembered the time he'd first asked his master why the stars rotated. How was this possible if the world was flat? Stupid, stupid service. The world is round. He came to, lying on his belly, hot alcohol burning his throat as if he'd swallowed a poisonous reptile live. Like the poor worm you are. When the master found him, service was muttering happily to himself. Four little goblins, all in a tree. Tee-hee-hee-hee. Five goblins in a tree. Free, free, free. Poor service, look at the state you're in now. It was wrong of me to give you so much to drink, wasn't it? How could even kind words sound so cold, like barbs for catching fish? That's all service was, a fish to be caught and let free, caught and let free over and over. I'll make you a tea to soothe you. I will labor with my own hands to make you better. He leant closer. Service could not look up, only see the dark booted foot by his head, like the pillars from Stonehenge they said were carried by the devil. He heard the next words so close by he almost imagined his master's lips brushed his ear. How kind is your master? So kind, so kind, he drooled. So kind. He blacked out. Teeth flashed through his dreams, wicked teeth, biting, always biting. Why? That was the question service wondered. Why? Why did the master do what he did to him? Why wouldn't he let it end? Was it pleasure? Was it something service had done? It must be. Master could have as much pleasure as he wanted without torturing a wretch. Service must have done something, but what? He couldn't remember... His brain felt as though it was saturated with a slow, obliterating poison, washing away everything, every stain. The nettle concoction he'd been given had soothed the ache in his stomach. After an hour, he'd felt stronger and lither than he had done in years. His stomach felt like a calmed lake after a violent storm. When he drank water, it stayed down. That was after an hour. After two hours... He'd felt as though someone had taken a hammer and chisel to his scalp. Then, blood burst from his nose. It hadn't stopped running. He knelt before his master, clutching his bleeding nose. Master, it hurts. Oh, poor service. Did I forget to mention the side effects? He tutted, a tutor disappointed with his favorite student. But it serves you right for drinking so much. He sighed. Well, no matter. It's time for the dogs to be fed. But, Master, the blood, it enrages them. He blubbered like a babe in a thunderstorm, lips feeling heavy, limp. Soft laughter. Feed the dogs, service. You've had your share to eat, after all. 
teeth. Wicked teeth, biting, always biting. When he escaped the kennels, the skin on his legs and arms had been shredded to the bone. He couldn't take a single step without agony. A line of red followed him, like a dark slug's trail. When he tried to turn the door handle, he realized a finger was missing. He slipped on the handle twice, trying to turn it. Then he gave up and slumped down against the door. Please don't let him find me. Please let it end here. But he knew that was hopeless. Once, Master Craven told him he'd been dead for four days, and still he'd been able to bring him back. That had been when his eyes started to go, and his legs had never regained their full strength. Why couldn't he get to what was on the other side? He lay dozing. The sounds of the dog's growling carried across the castle, setting his teeth afire. He blinked. Everything dimmed. Please, sweet death. Search. 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 His back dragging. Sky above, melting to gold and white lines, crossing like intersecting lightning bolts, the closest service would ever see to heaven. He woke on a cold slab of stone. He couldn't hear anything. The hiss of the harsh winds was shut out. The dogs were silent, or else too far away. He was lying on the floor of the tower, Master's Tower. The stairs climbed up to his personal chambers. One thousand and one steps. He knew that because his master had made him clean all of them, one after another. When he reached the top step, his knees gave way and he collapsed in front of a steel-shod oak door, quivering. The door swung open. Service. You're just in time. Hands too strong to be human pulled him to his feet and pushed him into the glorious bedchamber. A four-poster bed stood in the corner. The woman in red was chained to one of the posts, naked. Service's eyes bulged as they swarmed over the white curves. Flesh, so much flesh, all perfectly shaped. Not like me. He felt his legs tremble again, and his heart started tapping on the inside of his chest, like a hammer on a nail. Do you like her service? The masper whispered in his ear. She is very beautiful, master. But do you like her service? He saw the trap, but what could he do? N no, master. No, I... I prefer the dirt, master, the beetles, the, the crawling things. Come now, service. How do you think that makes her feel? Well, master, poor service cannot help what he likes. Service? A note of warning, like a whetstone shrieking on a blade. Yes, I do. I, I do like her, master. Good, he said. Do you want to put something in her service? His groin flushed with warmth, a sensation as alien to him as an embrace. He licked his lips. He did. Of course he did. His master hadn't yet cut his cock off, but perhaps that was part of the torture? Yes, master. Well, take this then. 
Service felt something cold and hard drop into his hands. He looked down and saw it was a crossbow. Something inside. That was just like his master, to play with words as much as with feeling. Unblinking, Service raised the weapon and aimed it straight at the woman. She started to sob. Her mouth was gagged with a cloth so she couldn't make any sound other than a muffled yelp. She struggled against her bonds. Her breasts flapped about. Somehow it was all more arousing. He couldn't hold the weapon straight. The point of the bolt veered as though he was the drunken captain of a wayward ship. Pull the trigger. It's what Master wants. Pull the trigger and kill her. At least you'll make it quick. Better than the dogs. Yet there was something else creeping at the back of his mind, like an old song. Although Service had only heard music once or twice in his life, when he stole into town on one of his master's twisted errands. This can kill. It can take a life. Even his. It was the most powerful Master Craven had ever allowed him to feel. He turned around and stepped back, aiming the crossbow for his master's chest. The dark veil hid all traces of surprise. He watched the hands. They hung motionless like hung corpses. But nothing stays dead. Not the dogs. Not the voices. Not me. Not anything. Service, what are you doing? He shivered and held the crossbow a little tighter. Why can't we let her go, Master? Please, what has she done? Service deserves his treatment, but not her. Let her go, Master. Are you trying to kill me? Are you going to hurt your kind master? He held up his hands as if asking for a dance. The hood was blank as the script which Service could not read, unknowable. Why, why, why? But you hurt me, Master. You hurt me so much. The torture, Master. The dogs. I was only trying to serve you. And now you are betraying me. That hurts me, Service. The voice darkened like an overcast sky filling with heavy cloud. Service flinched, as though his master had unsheathed a blade, a blade with which he would start to draw bloody lines. He put his finger on the trigger. Do it. No more talking. Do it. Master, I don't want to hurt you, but... But I, I can't. I can't. He trembled. Tears ran down his face. His whole body shook as if he applied his whole weight to moving one finger that single inch. He couldn't. Master Craven walked forward and took the crossbow off him like a parent taking a dangerous toy out of a toddler's hands. Service shook and crumpled backward, shriveling like years had fallen on him. Have you finished, Service? Master... Master, I... I... Don't you understand? Master Craven leaned down and put a dark hand on his shoulder. I love you, Service. Despite all your ignorance and foolishness and treachery, I love you. He straightened. But you've let me down badly today, he muttered, almost like an afterthought. Very badly. He raised the crossbow and pulled the trigger, still keeping his eyes fixed on service. The red woman gargled and slumped against the bedpost, chin touching her chest. 
The bolt passed clean through her temple and out the other, like a skewer of meat. Take her down, Service. Service waddled over to the corpse and untied it, avoiding looking into the blank, still eyes. What do you want me to do with her, Master? He couldn't see anything, but he sensed a smile. Why, Service, I would have thought it obvious. He heard a tongue flick across lips. Feed the dogs. Service carried the body down to the kennels. He stood on the platform and looked down into the arena of the dogs. He listened to their growls and roars like seething waves. He held the dead woman in his arms and stared at the mouths so full of slaver and teeth. Was there any way out of this place? This hell. That was one word he did know. Hell. If only he had someone else. He threw down the woman into the arena and the dogs seized on her naked body, tearing at it with rending, snapping bites. He looked at the ripping red meat, just like the shanks of chicken and pig he carried down before. There's nothing that tells us apart to them. He blinked. An idea had slotted into place like a dreadful nail screwed into the wall. It's dangerous. So, so dangerous. Master will punish you. Master will make it worse than ever. But he couldn't imagine worse. He threw down his clothes into the pit. They were stained with his own blood. He stripped until he was naked. The dogs tore at the clothes with foaming mouths. Service threw back his head and screamed. He screamed as loud as he could, but on the last, cut off mid-scream. Then he stumbled for the gate. He couldn't run. Inside his head, the taunting words of his master ran like a motto. You thought you were so clever, didn't you, Service? You thought you could deceive me, stupid, stupid Service. No slave fools their master. But he kept limping on. The portcullis hovered suspended like the blade of a guillotine. Would his master drop it down to trap him? If he does, I shall throw myself on the floor so it cuts me in half. He was almost at the gate now, almost free. He offered a bleak prayer. Please, let it be answered. Please. This has been Dead Meat Dog's Body by Joseph Sale, read for you by Lisa Quintana. Our music was Voices of the Past Meditation by Lee Robinson, provided by Pixabay.com. Alphanumeric is a production of Zoetic Press and is mixed and mastered by Zoetic Press. You can get any of our issues at ZoeticPress.com and you can pre-order Non-Binary Review issue number 33, World Tour, which comes out September 1st. Please go check out our newly redesigned website and sign up for our newsletter so you're in on what's coming up. If you love us as much as we love you, please support us by going to Apple Podcasts and giving us a rating and leaving us a swell review. We would appreciate it so, 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 so much. You should also subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Non-binary review, because humans are hardwired to tell stories. <laughs>